Hello, I'm Sean McAngus, and this is the Highland Lead Podcast. Today's guest is former Devon Vale, Fraserburgh, and Cove Rangers player, Grant Smith. He talks about starring alongside players like a young Jim Layton at Devon Vale, trophy success, scouting young players for Aberdeen, and much more. Hope you enjoy this interview. At the beginning, was were you always wanting to kind of pursue football in some... Fun? I was pretty serious about football for an early age. My dad was uh, used to come up and play football in the park when I was a young boy. Uh, we bed just in the kind of playing fields as you come into Port Soy on the left-hand side. We, my house that was brought up and butted onto the back of that park. So it was just a jump out of the fence for me. And I was lucky the guys, we didn't see it now the same, but we just played football. That's all we did. There was no gaming or any other hobbies. So we just ended up playing football. And the guys that I played, we were all mad keen, played with a lot of older boys. I mean, I never had any coaching, really. Scant kind of coaching at primary school for my headmaster, uh, Mr. Dick. He was a really good guy and he started a fit bar and ended up playing for the north of Scotland, but just played fit by in the park. Up in the morning, in the holidays, played for literally from dawn to dusk. And even then, there was lights on, street lights, and we played. The, it sounds a bit cliched, but that's how we learned to play football. And even when I started playing Highland League, I ended up, I was going up on a Sunday mornings to the Fitbit Park. I played two or two guys were just as serious as me. Mike Herbertson, I don't know if you heard of Mike's name. Mike was a striker. He played junior and a bit of Highland League as well, played for the Vale. And Neil Clark, it was the goalie for the Broch. And the three of us just used to go and shoot into each other and crossbars in and volley them and heater them. And I never, ever got fed up with I think yeah. I might have been a bit OCD as a youngster, I think. <laughs> but do you think maybe in a way these days kids are maybe a bit overcoached? Because if you see the amount of how young some, I mean, you see five-year-olds and stuff going into Aberdeen long-term. Oh, and the problem I have with that as well is you're really new to a hell set of guys that are late developers. And I mean, I, I used to scout for Aberdeen and I've had this debate with my, my bosses in there a couple of times for... We never looked at late developers as a club. So when I was suggesting guys that were playing by Highland League football just got knocked back every time, the, the attitude is if we haven't coached them, they're near that good. And I used to say to McGaffer, Colin, well, if this guy's as good as the guy that you've been coaching for seven years, then we better coach and he'll become a better player. But there's a few exceptions, but there are very few and far between. I think it is just the culture of Scottish football, and it's something that I've... It's one of my hobby horses. Please don't ask me that question, because I'll give you a lecture for a couple of hours. I just think that we overlook late developers in this country, and we mark up our mind about players when they're far too young. So in terms of you mentioned representing for North of Scotland, what... What kind of experience was that like? Like, well, it was primary, I started north of Scotland, and I really, I remember vividly. I was quite a shy kind of young lad, and I was I conscious about my cell, and I remember being invited along, and I thought, "Wow, I'm not sure if I'll manage to do this." But uh, Ian Cole, that was a teacher at Bucky High School, ironically enough, where I work at just now, he persuaded me to go along and played a few north of Scotland matches at primary level. 
And then uh, I'd played some North of Scotland and secondary level as well and played a lot of secondary school football for Banff Academy. Great memories, playing with lads that I played all the way through into my, my playing career. We, uh, and again, wasn't a lot of coaching. We had guys, Bob Peden, Joe Campbell, uh, just kind of the take it teacher, the science teacher. Uh, Charlie Ross was the guy at Banff Academy who had a great influence on a lot of players at that time. Charlie, I think, played for maybe Stenhouse Muir. He was a goalie, mm. and he was just an absolute cracker of a guy. Taught you how to play the game properly. But again, didn't really overcoach, just let you go and enjoy it. And the catchment area at Banff, I mean, you've obviously got connections doing there, have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to Banff Academy and stuff. Oh, you're a Banff Academy boy, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to Banff ah. I know, and so I think school football and one of my hobby horses when I, in the latter stages of my life when I've been a teacher and I've been coaching uh, the high school team. We did it for years and I did the North of Scotland uh, team with John Mackay that used to play for Barora and Gus Day that's playing for Nairn County now. Uh, he came through our system and school football, I think, is much maligned. I had, had arguments again with senior clubs and to to be fair to the clubs, County, Cali and Aberdeen, I think they have changed their opinion on letting people play school football. Mm. I mean, for me, the more games you can play, the more experience that you have, the better player you will become. In North of Scotland, I think senior clubs look at school teams and think, ah, it's just a Johnny. Mm. But I'll tell you, Fred, some of these Johnnies and teachers that gave up their time are really good coaches and they're really good coaching with kids. And I think it's an opportunity that we, we, we deny kids if we, if we didn't let them play, which a lot of the senior clubs do. They just think school football is not good enough for their players. I, I noticed in a podcast that you'd um, done before that you kind of got offered a, a trial and didn't end up going down to Astonville. Were there any other kind of opportunities to... No, well, Astonville, one was my mom. She just thought I was... And the back then, I mean, you've got to bear in mind, this would have been... This would probably been 1970, 71, when I would have just been either in finishing primary or starting secondary school. Birmingham was a long way away. I was playing the North of Scotland game doing at Perth. And I'd played an absolute blinder and Austin Villa coach came up and asked my mum and dad if I would go doing in trials and my mum just said no, it was too far away. And I never thought nothing about it. But kind of was wasn't long after that, like a Desi Bremner went down to <laughs> to to Villa. And uh no, I just think I just accepted it. when I was playing for the Vale, it, Billy McNeil was speaking about possibly having a look at man, took him in for a couple of weeks' trial, but Again, that just never happened back then. If you were a Highland League player, you were deemed, unless you were extra special, like when there was guys that made that transition, a uh, guy played for Inverness, this one, was it Kevin McDonald? I think and, so. I, and Ian, Ian Wilson, I remember Ian Wilson going to Leicester City, but they were exceptionally talented boys, and they made the jump from Highland League football to that level. I'm not sure if I would have made it at that level, to be honest with you. Yeah, so it's just been the sort of thing that's kind of hovered and been talked of, I, not really. It, no, it's never, I never went in for trial or anything like that. And oh, I think as you grow up and you think you find your level, I was happy playing Highland League and junior football. I really enjoyed it. I've made some great friends. I've had some great experiences. 
And I didn't really feel cheated or feel, oh, I could have been a professional football player. I've had a great life. I've had two great careers and two different jobs. And I didn't feel the slightest bit wounded that I didn't become a professional football player. Yeah. So in, in terms of obviously you went on, played kind of welfare league and then and then came to the Vale. How did you find kind of the switch from welfare to to Highland League oh, like, a fair jump or it was what? brutal to start with I mean I was playing in a really and I was young I probably would have been 15 14, 15 when I started playing for or, sorry my local team and with a really good side I mean we had some absolutely tremendous players some of which went on to play for Devon Vale as well Sidimla played for Devon Vale Mike Herbertson uh, and myself was signed for a veil at the same time. I actually got the chance to sign for Bucky, Danny Fitzsimmons come down and plagued my uh, to sign for Bucky Thistle, but Sandy Gray, I think, was the was the chairman at uh, the Vale at the time and he persuaded my that my 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 needs would be better met at the Vale. But when I first started, I think my first game I played we got beat ten one by Inverness Thistle. Hmm. I mean it was just an an absolute huge jump up at the time because when I joined the Vale, we were a pretty average outfit. It was just really at the start of the Vale transitioning for the very bottom of the league up through the league. Yeah. Uh, and some of the guys that they signed there definitely developed me into being a far better player than I would have been. It was, I think it was when they signed, it was George Christie was the manager. And George was a John F. Everdeen, but just was a fit by fanatic. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a, a few Aberdeen players, but mostly guys from the local area. And there was a lot of us the same age. There was Mikey Herbertson, there was a guy, Derek Reed, uh, there was Kevin Bremner, Alan Forbes, and we all kind of just came in top together, Sid Imla, and we just, we never thought nothing. Oh, really, the bravado of the young boy, and I was playing against players that were. Highland League legends. I remember playing against Andy Penman. If I played for Rangers, I mean Ian Cummin. Hmm. Uh, if I played for uh, Inverness Thistle, and I remember at half time up there, this was the return game after we got humped ten one, and I uh, I had a great first half. I was absolutely just playing so well. And as we walked off and we we're going to do the tunnel at half time, Ian Cummin tapped me on the shoulder and he said. Uh, am I allowed to swear on this pod- pod- podcast? Yeah, program? yeah, go on. So he said, uh, great first half, young man. He says, but I'm going to break your fucking leg a second half. Then I completely switched off a second half. I was absolutely shitting myself. And uh, at the end of the game, Ian come and come up and said to me, you're a cracking young player, but you cannot let old men like me scare you. You've got to harden up and harden up quickly. And it was a salutary lesson. I'll never forget that. How important is that side in terms of the mental side and not? I, I would say in playing at a higher level, what I've found, I've played with lots of players at lots of different levels. And the difference between the guys that go on to play Highland League at a good level or senior football, it's definitely folk who have got a mental resilience and can put up with playing in front of people, putting up with the abuse that you have to put up with playing in front of people. And you have to have that inner belief in that dogged determination to do well. I never really used to listen much to what people were saying at the side. I mean, I heard what they were saying, but I never really listened to it. Because it's just part of playing at that level. It's part of the fun of it as well. And unless you're going through a really bad phase, which I suppose most players will occasionally do, 
I, I never paid much attention, but you do need that mental resilience. The guys that I've known who have been really good players, some of them better players than me, didn't have that mental toughness to play at that level. Yeah, so any kind of funny memories about the kind of stupid things people have shouted at you over the I, I, I remember playing, I think it was uh, in the last stages of my career, doing it to the Broch for Cove, and it was our ticket I threw in, and every time it was our ticket I threw in, as this boy was saying, Smith, you're fucking useless. You're just absolutely shite. You've I been shite, and you're still shite. So I just never thought much about it, but into the second half, I thought, I'm just not putting up with us. I put the bar under my arm, and I turned around, and it was a guy called Tony Nardi that I used to work with in BT in Aberdeen, and he just gave me a wink. <laughs> so, I no, you just you just have to take it. People pay their money, and they're entitled to. It was worse for me when I went to see games. My son was playing. My son, he maybe mind my son better than me. Mike Smith played for Rothis, uh, played for Hermes in Aberdeen. Big six foot four. Um, yeah. Centre forward, and my pride and joy, just my love my boy to bits, I'm so proud of him. And when I used to go to games and watch Mike, you used to hear people sledging your kid, that's worse. I found that hard, harder. I remember going to a game up at Rothis once, and uh, my daughter was with me, and she didn't come to many games, and so she was now used to this terrible abuse that you would get. And somebody for the crowd shot in some, I wouldn't even repeat it yeah. about, about her brother, and she turned, turned on him and said, I'll have you know that that useless ginger cunt is my brother and he's a lovely human being. <laughs> the guy, the guy apologised. Uh, but I found that more uh, annoying than getting abused myself. I just thought nothing up. Yeah. So in, in terms of your time um, at the Vale, um, obviously you played a, alongside a lot of good players, including... Kevin Bremner, as you mentioned, how how good a player was he, and did you always think he would have we, went on? No, we, I think we were lucky. We ended up, as I said, in that transition period the Vale were in, and the Vale, if I'm mind right, signed a few players from Peter Heed, uh, signed likes um, Davy Ross, George Perry was a crucial sign, and he was a brilliant sweeper. Uh, Charlie Esselment that used to play for Aberdeen come out and sign for us. Charlie was the first player that I ever met that I thought, because I thought I was really skillful and talented, and I felt like selling my boots when I saw Charlie playing football. He was just an absolutely different level. But the guy for me, he was Norrie McBain, late late Norrie McBain, was just like a legend. And he walked into the dressing room with us a leather jacket around his shoulders and sunglasses on and my jaw just hot the deck and I thought I'm going to be playing with this guy the day but the guy for me that was one of my biggest influences was um, a guy called Norman Perry you wouldn't mind him he was an older player and uh, he was I would have said I modelled my career on Norman Perry he was incredibly skillful very talented but as hard as nails He's he just had no fear whatsoever, and I looked up to Norman and thought I want to be that kind of player. I want to be a midfield player that you didn't mess about with, but they can also play football. And the same Johnny Cowie at that time as well. You probably wouldn't mind Johnny Cowie. He was part of the Inverness this old team that wiped the floor with everybody, and he played up front with a guy called I think it was Ian Stephen, 
And the two of them were a deadly combination. And Johnny came to us later on in his years, and his experience really helped our young lads settle down. I've no doubt, Abdi thinks it was because we had Jim Leighton and goals we won the Bells Cup. But I would have said it was definitely Johnny's common influence on us. And Kevin, Kevin turned out to be, Kevin actually was a, a, like a fullback. I was a bit player. Mm-hmm. Kevin really wasn't seen as being anything that serious. And I think we had an injury crisis and Ked Ted Castle, for Kevin hated and Ken didn't like Kevin at all, didn't rate him. I think one of the guys said, like, why do you need to stick Kevin up top, see how he gets on? And honestly, the rest of the say is history. He was at his best, and he was he was he, his best was very regular. He was unplayable. He was absolutely unplayable. One of my greatest memories of my my, my era at the Vale was his dad, Sandy. Sandy was a farmer, and Sandy used to stand at the side of the pitch and give Kevin dogs abuse. But at the same time, was incredibly proud of his son, and his chant was, "Give the ball to Kevy," <laughs> and that's what he wanted people to do: just feed Kevin. And Kevin was just sensational. He was un- he was unplayable at his best. He just used to rumble over people. He didn't run jink by them. He just ran over the top of them. He was a tremendous player. No, he's it's, it's the sort of player people always kind of remember and and kind of reminisce. Well, and just... well, him and Alan Forbes and me, the same area, Mikey Herbertson and at training with some incredible sessions at training. So funny. Kevin was a real prankster. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin was one of the guys that would just absolutely... Anybody new coming into the club would have to go through this passage of rights of Kevin taking the piss of him. It was just tremendous. Just young loons, really. Yeah. And they are care in the world. They are fear in the world. And like I say, a lot of the older guys that were playing with us, uh, remember Bobby Forsyth that played for Broch? He came up and played for us. And it was just a really good atmosphere and a really good bunch of people. Yeah, how how important is, is that in terms of um, even at times where you... You may be tired from your kind of full time jobs. Um, how important is is that in terms of keeping you going? I, without a shadow, I do. The I, I think I was lucky that all the clubs I've played in, I had really good dressing rooms, had really good people in the dressing rooms, and what a difference it marks. Because a lot of these guys, I mean, if you're training, you're training twice, two or three times a week, playing on a Saturday, it is a big commitment, and to enjoy it. Especially the training and that when you would go in and have banter with some of these guys. I mean, some of the quality players. I mean, I played with boys like Johnny Markey at the Vale. Johnny Markey should have played senior football. Hmm. He's one of the best fullbacks I've ever played with. Just like a a well-oiled machine. We'd be up and doing the right-hand side. Very modern fullback, Johnny. I think Johnny would have played in any modern contemporary team because he was quick. He read the game really well and he could transition for being defending one minute to be up in the, the far end of the box the second minute. He was just a tremendous player. Yeah, what, so why why do you think he didn't kind of go on and, and play that just was, That's just how things were, Sean. There was very few people were looked at to play at a higher level because there's just this... I, I'm not what to say arrogance because I've still got a lot of friends at Aberdeen Football Club, Simi and Gavin Levy and these guys, and they're all really good people. And arrogance isn't the right word, but Scottish football, I think, has got this stigma where it thinks unless someone's came through a club for the age of eight mm. onwards, then they're not quite as good as the guys that have been doing through that path. And I'm not sure if I believe that anymore. 
mid beginners Mackay is playing for Devon Vale. I then I sent the Vale into Aberdeen for a not for a trial, just to help out one game. And at that time, Innes was quite podgy and quite slow. And he's now developed into this machine. He's a great player. He's got two good feet. He's an absolute unit. And there's, I mean, I know there's other been other Highland League clubs chasing him, but you never see senior clubs taking a chance with, with players that age. Yeah. So is he the sort of player you see possibly, you know, going up a bit in terms of the Highland League or in terms of the... He'll definitely play. The club will definitely sweep him up. I mean, he, but he's a, he's a super boy. He's got a great attitude. He comes from a really good family. Uh, I didn't hear any worries about Ennis making good choices. He's very loyal and clearly because the Vale have given him that chance. I mean, Ennis played very little welfare league football. He came to school football, into welfare league, a few games, into junior, a few games, into Highland League. So he hasn't had a lot of experience, but he'll definitely play for a for another Highland League club, I'm pretty sure. But give the boys due, he's thankful to the Vale for getting a chance, and he's, although he knows there's clubs, I think, been in for him, he's just doing the proper thing, and that's playing 100% for the club that he's at. Yeah, so in terms of, you, you touched on the, the Bells Cup. Um, oh, um how I mean how great was and that and and how what did you kind of remember about kind of that final? I, I, my, my pals uh, will tell you that my memory isn't great, but mm-hmm. I, I remember that night really well because we were so relaxed about a game. I think because we were vast underdogs, we were playing up at Huntley in their backyard. They had a really decent that time team at that time. Uh, some cracking players, Davy Cormay, uh, uh, Charlie Ferris, Dave Watson, mall manager at Cove, I think, was playing for them. And we were just completely relaxed. I mean, it did help having Jim in goals. I mean, Jim was just a tremendous goalkeeper and tremendous lad as well. And I think I think the game finished 2-2. I remember scoring a penalty. Uh, I remember scoring a penalty during the game and then scoring a penalty in the penalties afterwards. And we won it in penalties and just, it was a surreal experience because I honestly didn't think we expected to win. We either, I think we either didn't expect to win or we were so confident to win, we just didn't really care much. I can remember just being the, not the slightest bit nervous on the night and it was a big crowd. I wasn't the slightest bit nervous for whatever reason. I think I was more nervous at the cup final that was, was a year after when we played Peterhead in the qualifying cup final. And we drew with them doing it Peterhead 2 all, and we came back to play the Vale and we, I think we got beat 2 or 3 1 there. And I missed a penalty in that game and I remember being really upset at that. But the, the, but the Vale Bells Cup game just was enjoyable, really enjoyed it. And then we all went back to Bonf afterwards and I mind very little about that. I wasn't a huge drinker at the time and my goodness me, I drank me that night and I think I'd ever done in my life. So how, I mean, how great are those kind of days for for players in the Highland League in terms of having a day out and feeling like you're kind of, in a way, playing full-time because it's a big cup final, it's a vital game. Again, it's a bit surreal. I remember both the Huntley game and the Peter the Peterhead game replay doing at Banff. I think it was two and a half thousand people were watching it, and it was really surreal because the Vale had a decent crowds when I was playing for them. At, even at that time, but I mean the the guys that supported the Vale were just I characters in themselves. 
and Duncan Clark, John Steele ended up working with John at Bucky High School. He was a techie teacher. And they used the volley crew used to come along to the games. There was a great atmosphere. That the bigger games were, I, you dream about playing these games. I've lucky I've had a few of them over my career, spanning over the twenty odd years. And it's fit you play fit before, really. But I would say I never tried any harder in these games than I did every Saturday I played. I would say that I wouldn't brag a lot about a lot about myself as a player, but I think I was very consistent. I gave of my all every week. Yeah, so how how did you find um, playing at Princess Royal Park? You obviously said that you got in terms of a good backing on a on a regular basis. What 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 was that like? Well, the pitch itself was for me one of the big selling points. The pitch was just magnificent. I mean, you used to go to some Highland, Highland League grounds, and you it was like playing in mud. Some of the Highland League grounds, it was you're up to your ankles in mud, or the pitch was hard. Uh, but a lot of the pitches I look at now, they're much better quality than they used to be. But at that time, the veils ranked high above everything else. So for me, I just loved the size of the pitch and I loved the quality of the pitch. Uh, Al Dugan, the groundsman, just took great pride in his pitch and it was just brilliant to see. It's one of the things I love about Highland League and junior football. Isn't, the players are great, but see the people that support these clubs... Guys like Stuart McPherson at Avail, Duncan Little was at Cove. It's actually brilliant. These guys are the lifeblood of the club. The players are just what you see at the front, but the guys mm-hmm. that come in and wash the strips and see the turnstiles and mark other organisations, it's just incredible. It, these guys are the real heroes of Highland League and Junior Football. It's, a, it's such a thankless job and they do it without fear or favour. It's just brilliant to see. Yeah, and and the Highland League still re- remains popular even even today. So it's, I think that I mean I've seen a few Highland League games over the years. I've, a lot of the boys that I've coached have gone on to play Highland League football, and uh, I'll catch the odd game. Uh, to be honest with you, Sean, I'm not as great a spectator as I, I should be, having been a scout and stuff like that. I get a bit frustrated watching. I still play. I was playing tonight with the yeah. teachers. And if you offered me playing on a Thursday night with the teachers and the students or going to watch a game, I'd say playing every time. But going to these games, it's I think the quality of the Highland League, boys my age, a lot of them will say to you, oh, Fitba's not as good as it was in our day. And I didn't believe that. I think Fitba's actually quicker, pacier, mm. and a lot more skillful than it was at our age. A lot of the guys I played we wouldn't have been able to play now because they'd be sent off within five, ten minutes. Kind of so I'm the one of these dinosaurs that's criticised as young players. I love seeing Highland League games. I think the style that a lot of these teams try to play is just brilliant to see. Yeah, and also if you if if you think the amount of quality of players dropping down the division, I mean some of the names we've had over the years like so random, like when Darren Mackey played for Tara briefly. I know, um, I know. I've always played for, for Martin. And... Yeah, and like there's heaps, of, and then you've got the boy um, Paul Coots, who's at locals now. Aye. Who was on the cusp of playing in the English Premiership? Are you thinking he was? He was a player and a half, though. I mean, Aye. he was just absolutely exceptional. He was a tremendous, and again, he was never Dane's doorstep. Ken, and that's the kind of thing that I feel we've kind of missed out. And there has been boys that have transferred. Scotty Patterson that I played with at Cove, he oh, transferred yeah. into senior football quite successfully. 
I just don't think we do enough of it. I just think we sometimes, especially in northeast of Scotland, we've got this thing that we're not as good as the rest of Scotland. Mm. That if you've got a Glaswegian accent, you're bound to be a better player. And I do think some of the senior clubs believe that. I think they think some Uber guys are too nice. They're brought up too well. And I didn't subscribe to that at all. Mm, yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's even. I even found it when um, I was speaking to people at college about football in general, and I mentioned about the Highland League and the sort of players. And I, I mentioned I was speaking about Paul Coots going down to England, and they thought, "What? Really? Uh, uh, like, really?" Yeah. Um, they they found that odd. Um, but I think it's the problem is we don't. I don't think we showcase what we have in terms of the product. We do quite well with the Highland League, I would say quite well, but at the same time, I don't think we boast enough about the players. It's like a lot of the clubs are scared to lose them. It's like they want to keep them because they want to be competitive, which is fair enough. Absolutely, and that's a dilemma that you'll always have. I mean, I had it when I was scouting for Aberdeen. You would go and watch a game, and I've had coaches coming over to my Aberdeen's Boys Club games and games up here, and I think you're doing like, oh, I'm just watching this guy. I was always open and I'd always go to the coaches and say, I'm looking at this laddie. And they genuinely, in some cases, didn't want you there. For me, it's always been about a path for young players. And I had players at my school team and that. And Davy uh, Paro up at Bucky and I used to, late Davy just died there long ago. It's a huge loss for the Bucky community. And a few years ago, Davy died. And I would have the loons in a, in a morning for the football. He would have them in the afternoon for the junior team. And we, I was just used to say, well, we'll decide where the boys are playing. And we never had one argument because we were about what was best for the boys. And I think sometimes clubs can just be a bit myopic and they see the opportunity for boys to go and play at a higher level. Yeah, because it's it, it's frustrating because you see so many players and you like I even see it when I watch games and I think oh that player there could easily play and then you always hear stories you know they either get a chance or or clubs. I think it's yeah. probably better now we Cali and County in the senior leagues because at least then that's a pathway in. I mean if you think about the 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 guys that played for Inverness, Cali and Inverness this all back in the seventies they would have been playing for like a Ross County. Titch Block, Ray McIntosh, mm. Peter Corbett. These boys were Artem, David Mulroy. They would have been playing for Cali. They were so good. But now there is an opportunity for boys, especially in the north, to go and play at a higher level. So go, going back to your time at the the Vale, you, you talked a bit about Jim Layton. What what was he kind of like? Obviously, that he was like a young youngster at, at that stage on loan from from Aberdeen. What happened was we were looking for a goalie. I think Jim George had maybe moved on somewhere else and we were stuck for a goalie. Jim was a tremendous goalie and will be sorely missed. A great character, Jim, as well. And When he left, I think we were stuck for a goalie and Aberdeen had two keepers along with Bobby Clark. They had John Gardner and they had Jim Leighton and both, of the, both John and Jim came out to play a trial game for us. And one of them was going to be destined to play for the Aberdeen Reserves and one of them was going to be farmed out to the Vale. And it just so happened that Jim was the one who got chosen to play Highland League football. And Jim and I remained friends for years. He was just an absolute gem of a lad, down-to-earth, a real football man, 
uh, modest. He was just a GMLA guy to play with. He was so so good in the dressing room. And he was such a tremendously talented lad. He was one of these guys that I, even maybe more so than Ian, I had no doubts that Jim would go on to play international football. He was just so, so good. And when it went to that penalty shootout in the Bells, I mean, I felt sorry for the Huntley guys. Because hmm. I think Jim saved two and maybe they missed one just with the pressure of him being in goals. And it was an easy, comfortable penalties victory. But Jim was just what an asset he was to any team. Folk used to slog Jim's kicking, but I never thought Jim's kicking. Certainly, I can never mind it being bad when he played for us. But back then, of course, a goalie could pick up the ball at any time. It's nearly nowadays. No, it's it's the sort of thing people forget that he was at the Vale. It's kind of past. Obviously, it's near the beginning, so people seem to. I, and it's it is it is amazing. It, it's I kind of play golf in the same circle as Jim and a couple of his pals and. A lot of guys are astounded. One of the guys that I play golf with regularly, and he plays with us on a Thursday night, he's a Cullen football legend, Stuart Seller. Stuart said to me the other day, so it's Jim, wait and see, I says, no, Jim's got a job. He was, And he was horrified that Jim would have a job because he thought being a professional football player and a team that won a European Cup Winners' Cup that Jim would have retired with a huge bank balance. But... I just knew the why football was there, and there wasn't that same amount of capital in the goal. If he was... it, it, it didn't have changed, Jim. I kept in, Jim, in touch with Jim up till he went to Manchester, and then when I went back into Aberdeen to do scouting, I saw him occasionally. I used to socialise a lot with him when we both played with the Vale, because I'd moved into Aberdeen. Yeah. I was working in Aberdeen, I did in King Street, so Jim and I socialised. If we went to the pictures or kind of went, went to do ten-pin bowling and stuff like that, and he's a really good lad. Yeah. So um going on in terms of your your time at the Vale, who were kind of the best players you, you played against, would you say? Played against? Yeah. Oh, okay, right. So playing against uh would definitely would have to be for me like uh Charlie Duncan. When Charlie played for Inverness Thistle and then for Peter He Charlie was just an absolute exceptional talent. What a guy, what a player he was. I never really was vibed out with anybody playing. Uh, Guy Hercher that played for Carly was a really good player. Gordon Robertson that played for Bucky Thistle. Robbie Nicholl played for Bucky Thistle. These were all good players, but I was never ever in awe of these guys. Um, But it was just part of the landscape. You played against good players every week. Uh, Charlie Duncan for me, maybe Pele when Pele played Highland League football. Were, were were a couple of outstanding players. Charlie was just a... I mean, he's a legend in the Broch, and I never played with Charlie, but I remember that game at Peterhead. He was playing for Peterhead, and I'd missed a penalty, and I was honestly just about in tears. I was a young boy, and I'll never forget Charlie Duncan coming up and put, put his arm around me during the game, and he said, will you stop it? You've missed a penalty. Plenty of people miss penalties. You've got the ability to win this game for your club. So stop feeling sorry for yourself. And he didn't need to do that. He was just an absolute gem of a bloke. But what a terrific player he was. Yeah, because people don't remember him for his you know, playing. No, they remember him for being a manager, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but no, Char- Charlie was a terrific player. Uh, and... Um, and as I said, Inverness Thistle team at that time, Titchy Block was uh, what a player he was. 
and Dave Mulroy played for them. It was you were playing against quality people every week in the Highland League. I mean, I remember playing against Andy Penman and coming home and telling my pals he played for Carly after he played for Rangers, and he was just on a different level altogether. And you're sharing the pitch with some of these guys, but it never vibe me out. I never felt intimidated playing against these guys. I, I had a I had a massive row with Billy Anderson. Billy and I fell out. Yeah. Totally my fault. I was just a young boy far thought he came better than the manager and had a massive fight with Billy and that's why I left with the Veal. I probably would have played all my days with Veal quite happy. Yeah, so was there like a period of time that you kinda um you know, had a rest from football after that? Aye, so what I did was I went for the Veal to the Broch. Uh, and I just had a season at Ebrock, but that's, that's among the happiest memories, playing under George Adams. George Adams, probably up with Alan Scott, would be the top managers I played for. George was, I never had experienced this before, but George was a master of psychology. George just knew how to handle players. And because I stayed in Aberdeen, George worked in Aberdeen, and he would pick me up for training during the week, twice a week. What a commitment this guy had. Take my home to his house, feed me, and then we would go to the training in the Broch, and then he would drive by, he'd be in Ellen, drive past Ellen, drive me back to Aberdeen, and then go back to Ellen. I mean, he did that twice a week without complaint. I used to joke with Derek uh, Adams that I taught Derek how to play football because I used to be out in the back garden playing football with him <laughs> uh, at the time. And George was just an incredible manager. He, had, he kept everybody in a tight leash. And at that time, the Brock had some uh, tremendous football players, but guys who were real, real free spirits. Jim Crawford, John Duffy, Martin Buchan, Brian Sam, Eddie Garmick, Davy McKenzie. Davy McKenzie would be one of the best players I've ever played with. He was terrific. Bertie Bowie, Dave Oxley. These were our real strong characters. Mm. And they didn't care who to take George. Everybody was petrified at George. Mm-hmm. And we lost the league up year on the last game of the season. Oh, and it was just soul destroying. Yeah. How 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 did you kind of cope with that? Because I'm um, losing the league on the final day is kind of the worst. Well, it was a bit easier for me because I wasn't a player and I was suspended. To this day, George Adams still blames me for losing the league because I think the second last game of the season when we went up to Ross County. And we got beat 2-1, and I was in a stand. And it shocked me at the end of the game. George walked by me and looked at me. And George never really got angry, but he could pretend to be angry. And he said, if we lose the league, it's your fault, because you got suspended after being so many bookings. And I was like, eh? Yeah. Uh, and then the, so the following week, the last game, I was suspended. I was in the stands at Bells Lee, and we absolutely humped Peter Heed. I think we had to beat Peter Heed by three or four goals, and we, we thumped him five or six nil. And the result up at Bucky had to go for us, but I think Keith ended up drawing with Bucky, and we lost the league by a point. It was just absolutely mm-hmm. sickening. So was there ever, in terms of Fraserburgh, was there ever an option to stay longer or were you all... Always... No, I should have stayed longer, but again, that's why I took my year out. I started a, a youth club in Port Soy and I just felt I needed all my time to commit to doing that. I was a pretty free spirit myself. I was pretty independent-minded. And George pleaded with me to stay. In hindsight, it was a huge mistake, a huge mistake, because I think 
then I would have probably gone on to be a far better Highland League player if I'd been around at that club. Because some of the players were... We used to have... I mean, if I had to think about some of the training sessions we had, we used to have... George was really poly, we the Aberdeen staff, and we had Teddy Scott used to come out and do training sessions for us. Hmm. Uh, the pre-season at Fraserburgh was... Oh, my God. It was like being in a prisoner of war camp. It was just awful. But what a bunch of lads. And when I was at a reunion a few years ago with the guys, and it's, it's, I was Polly. Martin Buckin and I were quite Polly. I used to bide at Martin's if I bed a night in Fraserburgh. And just big characters, but really, really good people. Uh, played with Chris Slavin at Ebrock, but I also played with Chris at Devon Vale. Again, he was farmed out for, for Aberdeen. And just tremendous memories. So that year out for me, I think, was a big mistake. Because the year after, that's when I played with Ian at Corsoy yeah. again. And then I went and played for Turriff in the juniors. Playing um, for Portsoy again, um, how how did you find that? Was it a bit, in terms of, a, obviously it's a step kind of down? But it, it, yeah. I really was, I wasn't using them, but it was a stepping stone for me to get myself match fit for pre-season training for Highland League because the welfare was played in the summer. Yeah. But there were some cracking lads played for Portsoy at that time. And a lot of the boys still to this day will say, yeah, oh, I was Ian Jess. I they were Ian Jess's mind there, but Ian didn't need much mind and he was just far too quick for people. His his brain was too quick as well as his feet been too quick. But it was a lovely, uh, lovely period playing at Bark and the Welfare team. And I think we won a few cups that year, but maybe didn't win the league. So Yeah, did it just get you back to kind of loving Football again and just. Well, get... I'd already made up my mind that a couple of clubs interested in me. And I'd already made up my mind I was either going to go back and play Highland League or go back and play junior. I had a couple of hiatuses actually in my career. And that time I went and played for uh, Turriff United. And then after a few years with Turriff, I took another, I think, six month, maybe nine month out. Maybe that's why I kept my fitness all the time. I didn't can. And then Alan Scott persuaded me to go back and play for Devon side. Uh, and Beth Turriff and Devon side again were littered, were really good people. I folk that I'm still friendly with today. And I probably only left Devon side because I thought I wanted to have a cracker. And Devon side were a Highland League club in all but name. I mean, the money that they were throwing about was ridiculous, Sean. Mm. And I was a bit of a mercenary at that stage of my career. And I just wanted to get a bit of money under my belt but mm. I ended up going and having a tremendous experience at Devon side played there for a few seasons and can one player of the year or not just locally but the the Hill North section and 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 really enjoyed my time there we won the Zamoyski trophy one year which was like played with the Dundee teams and yeah. again that was a different level you were playing with these guys that were uh, top-notch junior players, which is about equivalent with Highland League and in, Dundee, in, in but we went through and we we won the tournament. I remember playing in the cup final unit at uh, Downfield and Paul Hegarty, Paul Sturrock, David Neary, all that great Dundee United team were watching and we absolutely <laughs> uh, played brilliantly that day. We won 1-0, but it could have been a lot easier. We played so well. Mm. So, so we got kind of norm juniors, and everybody thinks you're just a soft touch. So we kind of use that to our advantage. Yeah, I was going to say people. It's it's a common thing, and then it can be the opposite because every time juniors come up or something, everyone expects them to kick the shit out of you. I mean, oh. that's the stereotypes. 
All in Scotland manager just didn't hear that in his vocabulary. He just wouldn't even discuss the idea of getting beat in any game. All in used to sulk for got beat. He was just one of these guys that was all but winning. But again, he was a tremendous man manager and a really, really good friend. I mean, I miss Alan. He was such a football man and such a a good person that is a huge left a huge hole behind in the hell north of Scotland football scene when Alan died. Yeah, so in terms of Devon side, do you think at that point when you said they were kind of throwing money, do you think they could have probably, if the pyramid system kind of existed, they would have... Absolutely. I think the pyramid system would have suited them. I actually think they would have merged with the Vale. That was the plan, that they would merge with the Vale. But ironically, at that time, uh, there was a lot of enmity between the clubs Billy Billy Anderson was manager in the Vale and yeah. Allen was managing Devon side and the two of them just didn't get on at all. And ironically, a few years later, they patched things up and they ended up working with each other at Bucky. It's, I always find that really ironic because I think if they had been closer, they could have made that merger work. I think Devon side... So Devon side started this social club in the middle of a quiet area in Banff and you'll know been a Banff lad and it just was a goldmine. And they were able to lure players. I mean, some of the players that played for uh, Devon side at that time, Stuart Baird, uh, Stevie Patterson's brother Andy, Raymond Carno, Graham Tallis, Gary Innes, Davy Perry, were all guys that would have been playing Highland League football, but were ending up playing junior football. Obviously, you've got the pyramid kind of now. Um, do you think like teams like that, there's potential for them to go up or is it the sort of thing you need to have kind of a bottomless kind of pit to kind of throw throw at it? You need to have a lot of money and fit I tend to find now with the pyramid. I didn't have any against the pyramid system. I think it's it's all right, it's got its merits. But if you look at a club like Brechin coming doing they're gonna find it hard to get back up. And you're looking at clubs like Bucky and do they really want to get promoted into that league? Well, obviously they want to win the games and obviously they're not the type of team that would roll over. But financially, that could be a millstone around a club like Bucky's neck. And I'm just not sure if the practicalities will work out. I like the ethos of the pyramid system because you're right, it gives teams like Devon side for had an unlimited ambition. But now Devon side, if they had gone through that, they would struggle to cope with that now because they hadn't got that back in anymore. Mm, I was going to say, even Highland League, if you think they might have, you because um, I remember speaking to someone, they were saying you have to upgrade your stand, yeah. you have to, you have to have floodlights up to a certain standard, you have to have this, you have to have that. It take it takes a, a lot because it was last year they had Strasbourg finished bottom of the league but didn't face a playoff because every team didn't qualify for, like, have right. the right licensing in right. in place. So it's kind of... um, But, um, no, it's just... You, you want the Highland League to get freshened up sometimes near the bottom end, I always feel like. And I get that as well. And if you look at the additions, like, uh, I don't think it's a bad thing, like, a Strasbourg this will get in. Like a Banks of D and clubs like that. Very ambitious clubs. We uh huge barking, a huge catchment area. I just I think it's hard to to for me, even if I was saying to you I'm not a believer in the pyramid system, mm. it's difficult to, difficult to argue against it because it's standing in the way 
with clubs that are ambitious and they want to do well. If you look at what Cove have done, I mean, Cove are an amateur team in Aberdeen, and yeah. then they became a junior team, and then a Highland League team, and now they're a senior team. Yeah. And they won a rest until they're in the Premiership, the winner. Yeah, so go, going back to your playing career, you mentioned you were at Cove. What are your kind of memory, favourite memories from, from that? I oh, well, that was the season that Cove won their first trophies. They won along in the Highland League. I would have probably been at Devon's side, but Alan Scott's came to me and he said, Look, I can't wait to play Highland League for another year. There's a few clubs interested in you. So, what I did was I went and I played a pre season game for Forest Mechanics up at Forest, and I played a pre season game for uh, Peterhead, doing it Peterhead, and I played really well. and I think it was Harry was up at Boris uh, um, and he wanted to sign my, Peter Head wanted to sign my, and then out of the blue all and said, oh, Cove have put in a bid for you, Cove want you to go and sign for them. And and I, I think, retrospectively, if it happened, I think Alan had phoned Dave Watson to tell Dave I was available. Because I think David A was fancied me as a player when he played against me or managed against me or seen me playing for, for Devon's side. So I went in and played a game for them against Hibs, a friendly, and uh, played really well out of the three games. And then sat down with the chairman, Mr McCree, afterwards we Dave, and basically just thrashed out a deal then and signed on that day and ended up playing. And initially things were great with Cove. I mean, we were cut, won a couple of cup competitions and I was playing regularly. It was a difficult team. First time in my career that I was not really the top dog. Mm. that I was somebody if I had to fight to play. But the guys themselves were really good guys. at uh, Graham Park, um, Dougie Baxter, Raymond Ewell, Mike Meganson, Ronnie, the late Ronnie Brown, the Patterson brothers, Mikey Cormack, the really good players and really good lads. I mean, I love my time there. But I think I could tell you the game that Dave Watson changed his mind about me. We were playing up at Elgin in a league game and he made me captain for the night. I think Ronnie was maybe injured, and he put me in at sweeper. And we were controlling the game quite well, and I went in for a 50-50 tackle, and I tried to dink it out of the guy at command, and he came through me, won the bar, knocked it forward, and I scored a goal. And I looked out at the dugout, and I could see Dave Watson's face, and I thought, he's changed his mind about me. And almost from that day, I had to fight to get in that team. And the cup final, qualifying cup final, we played up at Huntley against Fraserburgh, I'd played the previous three or four games. I think Dave was a... Uh, by the way, I got Al well against Dave. He's a really good lad. Uh, and it sometimes happens in football. Someday I think you're a player of the dinner. I found it very helpful for me when I went on to do a wee bit of managing and coaching myself about how to treat players. So I learned a lot for that experience. So I'm not blaming Dave, but played that three or four games. I remember playing up at Keith and I played, it was man of the match and didn't even think and my drive up to Huntley because I just came up for Persoy and all the Aberdeen guys were coming out and I remember thinking I'm getting a bit really annoyed if I'm on the bench because I've been doing so well and from we got up there and Dave said Grant can I have a word with you sign I thought here we go I'm going to be on the bench I wasn't even on the bench I was absolutely raging but I had enough about me to say I didn't want to make a bit of fuss to put the rest of the guys off, so I just kept my counsel. But that was me kind of finished. I never played another game after that. 
that was kind of bit towards the end of the season. And then Turriff United came in for a bid and I went back to Turriff United as player coach while Alan Scott and finished out the season with them. So it was a disappointing end, but I had some really super memories with Cove. I mean, the guys themselves, as I say, were really good players. And I'd probably was as good a team as I'd played in. They were just brushing teams aside. But again, we just lost narrowly out in the league title. Yeah. So I'm going on to, you mentioned you scouted for for Aberdeen. How did that come about? Um, uh, just really through chance uh, my pal that I played with Deverinside, Graham Tallis was friendly with Colin Grant and Colin wanted somebody to look at a guy that was playing for I think it was Queen's Park up at uh, the Ostrich Turf at Bucky it was no long open and Graham phoned me and asked if I would go go to the game so he gave Colin my number, Colin phoned him up and it was just a one off initially because I'm kind of a bit of an English teacher that I'd written a really good report and Colin had said, won't you come on board full time? So I did it for a few years and I really enjoyed it. Uh, but my wife kind of took ill with ovarian cancer and I kind of just found it really time consuming doing the school football on a Saturday, watching games on Saturday afternoon, watching games all day Sunday and I was quite poorly with George Ulf. I was the chairman at that time. And I just said to them, look, guys, I'm going to have to stop here. I just kind of continue doing this. But that's something I might go back to at some point. I'll see. But I enjoyed it. It was great going and seeing. But that was the bit I always found interesting. You went to some of these clubs and you could see the annoyance in some of the coaching <laughs> and committee's faces. I mean, my attitude when people come to watch my guys when I was playing school, watching coaching school football, I was delighted because it said something about you and your school team or your junior, whatever team yeah. that people were coming to watch your players. But clearly, I was in the minority. I mean, there are some good guys like a Tiger Porter up at Elgin. Never had a problem with Tiger. I just used to phone him up and say, I'm going up to watch one of your guys. Aye, they bother come in for a cup of tea. But by and large, there was, I was. Just as you say, this tension with clubs wanting to hold on to their players. And I totally get it. I totally get it. But for me, I think it's one of the it's one of the big pitfalls of Scottish football, I think. Yeah, so who were kind of was there any players that ended up playing, you know, came through the Aberdeen ranks or or maybe Probably you know, the, the guys uh was involved in the recruitment of Terry Taylor. Terry had doing oh, yeah. Charles, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, because he played oh, for the Wolves. Was he? he sure, was... no, Terry. I think Terry uh, and his dad Graham was a, a a pal. I can Graham quite well. Terry, when he was younger, was had lots of ability. Was a bit chubby, but Aberdeen kept with him, and I think they would have signed him. But I think Graham and Terry felt that they would be better served going to an English club, so went to Wolves, and then I think he went to Burton, and then he's now with Charlton. Nice, so he's doing pretty. Yeah. Pretty well, so. Doing... And, I, and I used to help with Simi with the, like if the Dennis Law tournament was in, I would go oh, in yeah. and look after the lads. Kind of the lot, the boys were staying in accommodation at Robert Gordon's, eh, the university. They didn't want the guys staying in their own, so I went in to be like the dad figure. And that was some guys like Scott McKenna and up were coming through the system, eh, and he was just a great guy to work with. It was pretty clear that he was going to have a chance of making it at a higher level. And then uh, six months later, I saw Scott and he turned into this unit. Oh, <laughs> uh, Marty Cooper, it's we Elgin. I signed Marty for Aberdeen. 
But a lot of the guys, Robbie Bruce, you wouldn't have heard of Robbie. Robbie was a Cullen lad. And I thought Robbie was the best player I'd ever seen playing in the north of Scotland. And I thought he got a raw deal with the Dons. I remember saying to George Jewell, if you're not going to sign this kid, there's no only point of having somebody scouting in this area. But you learn to take it nay personally, Sean. Football is all about opinion. I would never say my opinion was correct ahead of other people. And it's such a difficult decision for guys in Aberdeen. They've got a pile of guys in Aberdeen. They've got a pile of guys in the centre doing at Glasgow. And you're having to pick guys of a pretty equal level to try and get a contract to get them into the under-18s. And it's such a difficult thing to do. So I disagreed with him, but I wouldn't be too critical. Yeah, there's, I mean, there seems to be the common trend that Highland League clubs seem to pick up players who were maybe released and then they kick I, Or Like there was a guy who got, um, what's his name? He was at Turuf, I think he, and then Aberdeen signed him again. I yes, I, um, yes. Yeah, um, oh, I can't, I can't remember his name. My, my, my daughter's a PE teacher at Turuf and she asked me to come and have a look at him. He's such a good player. Yeah, it's it's stuff like that. You always hear kind of stories like him, um, and then there's been... The be fair to clubs like Aberdeen, and, 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 and Neil Simpson, the pioneer this at Aberdeen, they, they decided that they weren't doing these kids any favours, and they developed a system where there was a release system in place that allowed these players to go to another club Sometimes it would be like Collier County. Sometimes it would be Highland League Club. So there was a pathway for these players when they didn't make it. And I, I think for me, probably as a teacher now, I'm much happier with that holistic view than I am. We coaching somebody for 10 years and then just saying, there's a door, we're not signing you. I just never sat easy with men at, at all. Clubs are taking that far more seriously now. Yeah. So in ter- in terms of young players in the kind of northeast, who who are the sort of players do you think we should kind of keep an eye out? Where are that you know juniors or high league or or just generally that you think? I'm so out of the loop now. So I went up to watch a couple of bucket games at the end of last season, uh, and uh, my pal Ian he watches bucket every week and he keeps me up to speed with it and because getting so excited. I went up to see the last two games, in the very last game. That uh, the breaking game, uh, my pal for Inverness, John Mackay, used to play for Brora. John and I did the North Juniors, the North of Scotland school team together. So John came doing, we just had a day watching a football. And during the warm up, uh, this guy shouted out at them, Hi, Mr. Mackay, hi, Mr. Smith. And it was Josh Peters, and I never realised we'd coached Josh. And I was speaking to John not that long ago, and he was saying the amount of guys that we had through the north of Scotland are now playing Highland League football is quite remarkable. But John would tell you better than me. I'm just tons out of the loop. There's a wee lad, I should have probably mentioned his name, there's a wee lad in Portsoy who is going to be a player and a half. He's in Aberdeen books just now, and he's just exceptionally talented. He's a guy called Fletcher Boyd. And he's got to be a player. If I hear people from Aberdeen speaking about him, I haven't heard them speaking about a player like this in a long period of time. And if he can keep his feet in the ground, I think he's a guy that will do really well in football. Yeah. There's, I mean, there seems to be... Yeah, I, I remember when Josh Peters got the move to Hibs. I remember all the clubs were tapping, tapping him up. 
But a good example, because he's a lad that wasn't even in the north of Scotland, trials. He never got sent to trial. We played a friendly game and we thought we were locking in a particular area of the park. And John happened to be teaching it. I think it was at King UC at the time. And he said, I've got this guy. It's really quite raw. He says, but I think he's better in fit we've got. And we just took Josh along just really to see if it would make a difference. And I, he just has turned into a terrific player. Yeah. I always wondered if he would have played at a kind of higher level because he was at Livy's as well. Sorry. But I think that's just the thing. You never know. You give some people that opportunity and they excel. I mean, when I saw like a Ian as a youngster, if you said to me Ian would have gone on to play for Aberdeen, Coventry, Forest, Bradford, his kind of international cups, I probably would have said perhaps, but nay, definitely. I mean, mm. he was a great player. You never really knew to get the chance. Ian was lucky. He got the opportunity at Aberdeen. He went in for a trial, really, with George for a few weeks. And they really liked him in there and gave him an opportunity. And you never know what a kid can do unless you give him an opportunity. Yeah, so you said you said you coached a kind of a lot of kids over 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 the years. Were there any kind of standouts or kind of players that maybe went I, in the Definitely. For the, and the, well, the boys in the Highland League just now, like a Harry Noble, did Harry Vale, Ennis Mackay, Kyle Gordon, I can if you mind him, I know it was at Vale. Oh, we, Joe Sutherland, it was at Bucky. Ben Allen, it's the Vale, had been, been at the north of Scotland. Uh, Colin Murray, Kazi, was one of my lads when I was at Bucky High School. Uh, North of Scotland, they did Marty Cooper, Scotty Ferris, Billy Ferris's laddie. I was really surprised. He got a bad injury at a crucial time. He's one of the best players I've ever seen at that level. Scotty was just an absolute super player. And the player for me that the other clubs have missed out on is Graham Roger. It's at Fort Martin. I played with Graham's dad at Devon side. And Graham is one of the most committed players I've ever played with. Him and his brother, Neil. I mean, they used to fight with each other at training. And when I saw first saw young Graham, I was straight on. I was I, I didn't even think I was scouting for Aberdeen at the time, but I tried George Adams to pick him up for Ross County because Derek was the manager at the time. But again, it was just this old adage that no, they hadn't been training and playing me a club at that level. And I think young Graham would have definitely made it in senior football. His desire and his hunger aligned with his ability. He was just an out, still is an outstanding player. Yeah, was there ever talk of him going a higher level? Because I've not really heard. I mean, well, that, that that was the talk. I tried to get him up to county, uh, and there was a couple of English clubs kind of had connections with because Ian was working for Forest at the time. But it's just it, for some reason or other, I think it's so far up north here that English clubs want to come up and have a looky. Uh, Aberdeen weren't interested. I mentioned it to Colin, I think, at the time. It was just one of these things. Again, it's about opinion. But I thought Graham's attitude alone would have given him a chance. But aligned with his ability and his athleticism would have given him a real chance. Uh, for me, he's one of the top players I would have said in the Highland League in the last certainly 10 years. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And make sure you subscribe on Podbean, Apple, Spotify, or any of your chosen podcast platforms. Also, any reviews left which would be much appreciated and help the podcast grow hope you can join me next time for another interesting interview